Hi, welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jen. Hi, thank you so much, Erin. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Jen A. And um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from Colorado. And um, I just, I, I think it's so great that we're on this meeting. I just uh, yelled at my daughter. You didn't hear me. Thank God we were still muted. I'm like, can you bring me the charger? Because we've been on the laptop all day. And uh, she came in and she was just standing here. I'm like, okay, you have to go now. And she's like, she's always so excited to hear. What's my mom going to say now? What's my mom going to say now? And you'll probably hear a few little um, great um, tidbits from my kids as I share um, my journey in Overeaters Anonymous. But I just want to say thank you for inviting me. Um, this is LA, right? Like every time I come for the OA Big Book, uh, the OA birthday party, um, I always sing the song, you know, all I want to do is have a little fun before I die. And um, I'm just going to say that I could not have this attitude um, and be this excited, happy, joyous, and free if it wasn't for OA and the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I'll just say that because if you knew me before this program, you would be running. <laughs> and I can guarantee you if there wasn't a recording, you would be like, great, we probably shouldn't have recorded that girl anyways. Um, but thank you to God's grace, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and just uh, my sponsor who lovingly guided me, I actually have two. I was a pretty strong-willed individual. Um, so these two guys had to sit across from me um, at the table at Panera every Saturday and literally uh, browbeat me <laughs> into the uh, practical instructions in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but I'm just going to start out, um, you know, like kind of what it used to be like, because that's what we do in this program. And, um, you know, for me, I thought I'd just pull out these lovely pictures, because I think this just says, so this is me um, at 220 pounds. Um, and, you know, uh, that was about the highest I probably ever weighed. Um, that was about as miserable as I ever was. Um, but I will have to say that, um, as miserable as I was, I didn't even know I was a compulsive overeater. Um, I came into program about four years ago and honest to goodness, like, um, I didn't even know what Overeaters Anonymous was. In fact, a friend of mine was a, a drug and alcohol, uh, uh, he, he recovered from um, drugs and alcohol and posted something on Facebook. And I'll just have to say that, um, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have found Overeaters Anonymous, but um, I'm, I'm thankful that I did. And I'll just say this real quick, and that is, um, you know, uh, being this 220 pounds wasn't enough for a girl like me. Um, it, it just made me miserable. It made me um, crazy. It made everybody crazy around me, but I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, let me let me just start by saying this. Um, sorry, I'm just a little distracted with the screen in front of me. There's people moving around, and I'll just like regroup for just a second here. Um, so I knew it. I knew at age eight I was a compulsive overeater. How did I know I was a compulsive overeater? Because I went to my friend Leanne's house, and um, we played this game called Atari. 
And um, I would go down to the pantry in between switching games, you know, Centipede, Atari, all the, you know, um, Ms. Pac-Man, all that good stuff. And what I remember is sneaking snacks out of her mom's pantry. And they were these little um, cakes and they were really, really yummy. They're called Twinkies and they have this creamy filling and I would grab like several and shove them in my pockets and then I'd run into the bathroom and guess what I would do? I would consume them as fast as I could and then I would wrap them up in toilet paper and hide them in the trash can. And I did that all the time. It was absolutely crazy, right? And not only would I do it there, I would do it at my grandma's house. I'd sneak candy from the candy dish. Um, what else would I do? Um, I stole at the grocery store. Sometimes my mom caught me. Sometimes my mom didn't catch me. It just depended. Um, but the reality was, is, is that from age eight, I knew I was a compulsive overeater. That's I think second grade, right? Um, it only got worse over time. Um, you know, I was the chunky girl. Um, the cleaning ladies would come over. My sister and I are about 18 months apart and the cleaning ladies would come over and they would go, uh, which, which one are you? And um, the lady would turn around, oh, honey, she's the pleasantly plump one, can't you tell? And so that she would like elbow me and say that. And I was like, oh, seriously, she thinks I'm pleasantly plump? And so it was just, it was really, it was really, really crazy. Um, I can tell you elementary school, I was the chunky kid on the soccer team. Um, junior high, I was um, the chunky girl who got picked on. All the girls wore the cute little Esprit clothes and the Benetton clothing, and they looked like the ads. And I didn't look like any of that, but I sure as heck had my wall plastered behind me from ceiling to floor and wall to wall of every cosmopolitan model girl that I ever wanted to look like. That's what I wanted to be, and that's what I wanted to look like. Because if I was thin, perhaps you would accept me, you would like me, and I would fit in. And that's what I thought. So I got to junior high, then high school comes along. Um, I was a swimmer. I swam all my life from age eight all the way up until college. Let me just tell you, that's the best way to keep weight off. I mean, I, I was always thick in my swimsuit. I had broad shoulders and a thick body. I wasn't the girl with the hourglass figure. Um, but man, I could swim and swim and swim. And guess what that would afforded me to do? Looking back now, it afforded me the ability to eat and eat and eat. Um, by the time um, I graduated from high school and I went to college, that's when like the race was on for me because it was so great. They had this thing and I got a meal card and I could go to any place around the community and I could like pay for this and eat this and eat that. Oh, plus there was stuff in my room and I ate my roommate's food. Um, I ate people's food down the hall. Nobody locked their doors, right? And then we would go, and then I found um, alcohol, and I loved the parties because the fraternity boys, like, they, they would let you drink as much as you wanted, right? They wanted something in return, but they were like, here, have another drink, you know? And so I started drinking um, Boone Strawberry Hill. I mean, anything that was loaded with sugar and sweet and whatever it was. It wasn't like the beer girl. Um, but I love the sweet beverages, right? The margaritas, ooh, the um, Seagram's Golden Wine Coolers, right? That was me. I love those. Now, I'm not an alcoholic, but I will tell you that that alcohol did something for me and was really, really great. And I could eat and I could drink. And if I didn't want to eat, I could still drink. Um, so that, that did it for me in college. And I don't know about you guys, but they said you were going to gain like the freshman 15. And I think I gained the freshman 40 or 50 within the first semester. And I went to college 
And I came home at Christmas and let me tell you, oh my goodness, everyone was like, what happened to you? I mean, I was huge. I was as big as a house. I remember like I couldn't get, even get, um, I couldn't, I couldn't get a date um, to the, to the fraternity parties, they would have to set me up. Someone would feel sorry and say, Oh, I guess, okay, we'll go with her. She's going in your group of friends. We'll go with. And so that's how my life was. Um, and I remember going home and seeing all my, all my friends. Um, and I will tell you the friends that I had were all guys. They didn't pick on me. I didn't have to compare myself to them. Um, and you know, they didn't gossip and talk about all the girl stuff and the weight stuff. So that, that was pretty awesome. Um, the only time I remember was after in college was joining a sorority. And when I joined that sorority, I was like, Oh, this is what I bargained for. And that's when I saw girls throwing up in toilets and eating outrageously. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should try this too. You know, I'll do whatever they're doing to stay thin, to stay beautiful. Um, when I came home for that freshman 40, 50 pounds, um, I knew that something had to change. My family looked at me and said, you're a fat girl. And, um, you know, so I went over to, uh, the Stutler bowl and it was in high school, we had these huge stairs and you could just run up and down the stairs and I would put my Walkman, my CD player, whatever it was at the time on. And I would run and run and run and try and lose all the weight that I could. And I, I successfully did so in about two to three weeks. Um, I went back um, to college and was a little bit thinner, but I continued to eat and I continued to drink and I continued to put the weight back on. And, um, you know, I, I also um, continued some, some pretty bad behaviors. And, and, and what I realized too is let's not forget that girl who was swimming since she was eight and consuming food and exercising, I was no longer doing that. So that weight was really, really compounding on me now. And, um, you know, I watched my family and I watched my sister who was, um, 18 months younger than me consume food. Like it was no big deal. And the big book talks about that, right? It talks about how people can do it and like nothing happens to them. They can eat food. They get like my kids, they eat Oreos and they don't like get big as a house or they don't want more of it, or they don't want something else after the Oreo. Like they can eat an Oreo or two and stop, right? That wasn't, that wasn't my experience from the Twinkies to the alcohol to, you know, to the, like, to anything. I've never been able to stop at just one of anything. Um, so, you know, I continued, um, I, I actually moved home and um, I'll just say that, um, you know, I continued to eat, I continued to gain weight, I'd lose weight, I'd gain it, I'd lose weight, I'd gain it. Um, and my family just said, oh, Jenny, you know what, you would be such, a pretty girl. Um, you don't want to be a plus size model. God bless my grandfather. I know he meant well in his words, but let me just tell you that it, it truly, it truly, truly hurts. And I think today, um, now as, um, you know, maybe he looks down, um, on me from heaven, um, he sees and hopefully knows, um, that I, I am in a right size body. I'm recovered and living a life that is just, um, like someone said earlier, beyond my wildest dreams. I'm so grateful for that. Um, so where did, you know, what had to happen to a girl like me? Um, well, I got married <laughs> and I had kids and, um, I ate cereal through my son's entire pregnancy. We joke because he likes cereal and my daughter likes, um, sugar candy. Well, I ate Skittles with her the entire time. 
um, because in between my son and my daughter, there's five years. And um, I, uh, I had a stillborn um, child at 34 weeks. Um, you know, so it was like all I could do. I just, I didn't know how to deal with life. All I did was eat. I ate and I ate. Food was my solution to everything, right? But I didn't know I had a problem. Did you know you had a problem? Like I was clueless. Um, I ate through all my pregnancies. My marriage got bad. I ate through my marriage. Um, and then finally, you know, one day I decided I'm done. This is crazy. And I want a divorce. Um, and so that's when it started for me and I started, um, exercising and I thought, you know what? Um, I have got to get thin again, or I am in big trouble, right? This is a picture of me when I was married and everybody says to me, what does your ex-husband think of you now? I'm like, well, he thinks I'm nice. I think, <laughs> you know, he's like, he doesn't have to deal with the wicked old witch of the West anymore. He gets to deal with hopefully someone who's kind and loving and tolerant, but, um, you know, I just, I just knew that I had to get skinny. And so that's when, um, not just the Weight Watchers or the South Beach diet or the, this or that was good for me, but it became the extreme dieting. It became the pills. It became the MMA gym. Um, I was going to get myself into this little tiny rhinestone bikini on stage with these three inch like slipper. Um, they're like glass slippers. And let me just tell you, um, months and months went by and I went down to 190 and then 180 and then 170. And, you know, it's like, you can do this. You can get down to 145 and 5% body fat. And so I was eating tilapia, um, three ounces. I was eating a half a cup of rice and three stalks of asparagus and doing protein shakes and in between every meal. And I was on the treadmill seven days a week and in the, in the gym lifting five to six days a week. And my kids still remember that gym. My daughter was little cause she'd be outside the, like we had, there was like an MMA cage. She'd be on the outside and she'd be doing, um, stair climbers and mountain runners on the ground while we were doing them in the cage. And I'm just going to tell you guys, my kids are this big around. They've got, um, their daddy's jeans. Thank you, God, tall and thin. But um, I, they would still go and my son would watch sports on the TV with, you know, the guys who are in the weight room and I would be in there with all the girls bodybuilding. And I, I mean, I walked out of there soaking wet, sweating. If I didn't come out dripping wet, there wasn't, you know, I couldn't get thin enough. And I wore, I don't know if you guys have one of these, but I wore this um, fat trimming belt. And I sort of got you like buy them at Walmart or whatever. And it's like this thick and it goes around your waist. And basically it helps you sweat and trim and get really, really thin. And it helps, basically it takes off water weight. Um, but I, I did whatever it took, right? And then I started using fat burners. And this was my first pills experience. Um, that I could buy over the counter. I tried all the ones that I had to get prescriptions for, but they wouldn't give me prescriptions for them anymore. So it was like, oh, let me take the ones over the counter. And I didn't, I didn't do the warning um, on, on the pills. You know, I looked later and it said like, do these for like three to six months. I was taking them for like 12 to 18 months, um, trying to get skinny, trying to get thin so I could compete. Um, and, and, and here's the funny story to all of it. It was, I don't know how many years ago, um, maybe like 10 years, 10, nine, I don't know, years ago in April. I always remember because it's Cadbury egg time. And I just thought I'm going to run to the 
um, all I had to do was get rid of that little tummy weight, right? But remember, I've had three pregnancies. I've been 220 pounds. Like I just said to myself, I'm going to get on stage. I might have wrinkly, flabby skin around the stomach. I'm not going to get really like tight and whatever like these other girls, but I'm, 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 I'm bound and determined that I'm going to eat just one Cadbury egg. So I went to the store and I ate that one Cadbury egg. I got out to the car. I turned around and I came right back in. And I got two and three and four. And it was like, oh, I needed more, you know? And then shopping trips started turning out where I would like hoard candy bars and I would eat them as fast as I could in the car going home and throw the wrappers out of the window. I'm still making amends for that today. I pick up trash wherever I go um, because I threw more trash from eating out the window um, than I ever did in a dumpster. Um, I did do the dumpster diving. Um, you know, my, I would tell my kids, oh, I can't eat that. I'll throw that in the trash and I'd pick it back out and eat it after they went to bed. I do it at work with my coworkers. They wouldn't know. Um, you know, it was just, I did some really sick things and sick, um, things around food and I didn't know how sick I was. And I will just say this, that, um, you know, um, I, I, I think for me, um, it's like the insanity was crazy. You know, I kept doing things more and kept getting crazier with the exercise and everything. Um, you know, the behaviors is a really big part of this program. We talk about putting the food down and our alcoholic foods, um, but I never knew that my behaviors had far exceeded the food. The, the exercising that started on running those stairs in the, in the, in the school um, is now like times 10 that. And I know today why it is, <clears throat> it's because this d disease is permanent. I know I always have it. It's progressive. It was getting worse over time. I'll tell you how bad it got. It got to the point where I was then taking, um, after I did this, this bikini competition, um, I went to um, Costa Rica and put all the weight back on. Um, the five pounds, the 10 pounds, the 15 pounds. I look at myself on the beach and I go, I don't think I'm any different today right? Then when I started the competition is when I end, because I was like, that weight just went right back on. Um, and so, but that wasn't enough. Um, I kept doing laxatives, um, supplements. Um, it got so bad um, that it gave me um, extreme hemorrhoids. I'd go to the I'd go out dancing with the girls all night. I'd go to the gym the next day and then I'd, I'd be in the ER um, and they would be removing them. And you would think that'd be bad enough, right? No, but it gets worse. Like I went back and did it again. And then I had to tell my boss why I was missing work. And she's like, I don't get it. You look, you know, you sound fine. You don't sound sick. And I had to be honest with her and tell her, well, I had to have these things surgically removed. Well, what, you know, and I was like, great, not to be really honest. And I had to stay home for seven days one time because of it. And I kept doing it over and over again. Anybody heard about insanity? Like, that's me. I'm an insane person. That's my mind. I think I can do it and get away with it once. Food, I think I can do it and get away with it. Exercise, laxatives, whatever. Um, and, you know, so then the race became worse for me. Um, and it, it became the part where I, I would um, start binging and purging. Um, and if my finger couldn't get down my throat, thank you, God, that there are such things called a toothbrush. And I'd find myself with a toothbrush in my glove box and my purse, wherever I needed one to make sure that I could get everything up that already went down. And I knew what I started with. And I would eat, this is the best part, I would eat liquid, liquid drinks, things like that. Whatever could go down fast was gonna come up twice as fast. And my disease manifested. It got worse over time, worse and worse.
Um, and then I came to the program of Overeaters Anonymous. I finally got to a point where I was like, I need something. I saw this post on Facebook and I said, help me God, right? Like I need, something's got to give here. And if I could see, I could see the outward physical packaging of this guy that I went to high school with, you know, 30 years later, wow, he's changed. And I'm reading this, this vomit on Facebook of how he goes into such detail about his life. And I'm thinking, wow, if you can do this, I'm so excited for you, but I have a problem with food. And at the time I didn't realize as much around the exercise. I know that today, but I was like, I didn't even realize that throwing up was bad. I just thought it was normal. I saw my sorority sisters do it a few years back. And he said to me, I said, what am I supposed to do? And he says, Google OA. Um, so this became my Googling career. I Googled Overeaters Anonymous and I found out that I was going to have to go to a fatties meeting. And I was like, screw that. Because at that point, this was the stage of, of my disease. I was so anorexic. I was so, I mean, you can't even see it, but like my eyes were sunken in, my face was, my nose was as thin as a rail. Like that's, the, that's where I went. I went down, down, down. It got worse for me, right? But everybody else on the outside said I look better. Oh, you're so pretty now. Oh, you're so this, oh, you're so that. The boys were chasing me. Woohoo! I've arrived, right? It's kind of like in Bill's story where he talks about, and I had arrived. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going clubbing, dancing with the girls, and I'm gonna find me a dude, right? Yeah, not the case. Okay, so, um, you know, I said to my friend, okay, I'll Google OA, and he says, next thing, I love guys, right? Because this is why I got a male sponsor. They're so to the point, he just, he texts me and he says, get to a meeting. And I was like, ah, so I looked up on the website, Overeaters Anonymous. There's a meeting at a church. I'm like, great. I have to freaking go into a church again. Like I was done with God. I was done with Jesus. I was done with the Bibles, the building, the believers and that book, man, I had, I'd stuffed it in the bottom of my drawer, the Bible. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I want you to get me right. But, um, you know, I just, I was like, man, really? I got to go into a church. Okay. So I put my tail between my legs. I took this really, really cute journal. I still have it um, over there. It's kind of funny because I wrote my first journal entry in there. And at the top I wrote, I should get it out. It's kind of funny. I, I wrote it and I was like, this is my weight. <laughs> right. And I was like, this is who I met at my first meeting. And it's so cool. Cause she and I are still in the rooms together. Thank you God today. Right. Um, and I was just like, a few people showed up. They pulled out a workbook. We read it. Hmm. They said to keep coming back six or seven times. Like I just wrote that kind of stuff in there. I don't know if you guys have gone back and read yours, but I was like, oh my gosh. And if today's your first meeting, write all this stuff down. Don't forget it because this is the beginning for you, right? I think it was the M&M girls. That's how I remembered them. Melissa and the other one was too hard, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, welcome. And, um, and Don too. So, you know, um, don't forget your first meeting, um, you know, that you got onto it. This is a big deal. It's a big deal to show up in this room. Um, and if we scare you off, remember it says, keep coming back six times. That's what I wrote down. So try it. Um, and if you don't like this zoom meeting, try another one. Um, but here's, here's what I'll just say is that I kept going back to that meeting and there was only about two to six people. I think that's the reality. 
I'm looking down at the screen. It says there's 161 participants here. That's amazing. That is not a normal Overeaters Anonymous meeting in Colorado, I'll just say. But these six people were really great. And they hugged me every time I came in and they loved me to death. And I thought, okay, I'll keep coming back. And we opened up this workbook and we did these exercises. And Jen, then, you have 10 minutes. Thank you so much. And then one day, all of a sudden, we got to this thing called sponsorship. I said, great, who's going to sponsor me? And they go, I'm not a sponsor. I'm not a sponsor. I'm not a sponsor. I'm like, what are we doing here? They go, well, you'll have to go to a bigger OA meeting. So I went to a bigger OA meeting. And what I did is I decided that I needed to bike my 20, 30 miles first on my road bike. And then I'll just show up whenever I show up. And I got there and I thought, 40 people, I'll sneak into the back. Oh no, they had broken out to small groups and there's eight people sitting there. And I thought, great. I said, did I miss the meeting? They're like, no, you're just in time. Have a seat. I was like, okay, good. And there was this man and he sat across from me and he had this like little blue thing like this, this little blue book. And he was reading out of it, these ninth step promises. I don't know if you've read those before, but he told me this is how his life is today. This is what was promised and this is what he got. And I was like, I don't know about you, but I haven't been promised anything in this program. I came clearly because I'm anorexic and I don't ever want to be that 222 pound girl again. And so I'm going to sit in these rooms and I'm going to diet with group support and I'm going to keep coming back and I'm going to keep my collection of shiny little medallions that are all in these pretty little colors. And that's what I'm going to do. And, and I, and I fooled a lot of people. I am fooled myself. I was a liar, right? I didn't know I was lying. I didn't know what it meant to be honest. I didn't know what the 12 steps were. I didn't know how to get abstinent, but all I knew was I wanted what this guy across me with that little blue book said. I wanted that more than anything. So I kept coming back to that meeting. Some days that, you know, we were in the big group of 40 and I began to hear a message of what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous calls depth and weight. And we opened up that book. And I'd like to say that um, that man sponsored me right then and there, but that wasn't the case because at the time I was told I couldn't have a male sponsor. And so I, I actually um, picked a lady in the room and I interviewed her. It's called sponsor shopping. We've all done it, right? Raise your hands. That's me. And I said, do you have time to sit down with me? Cause I want to see if you'll be able to, to help me with this. Like I've got to get a sponsor because that's what this little workbook told me. And, um, she lovingly sat down with me. God, she was like an angel. Um, she spoke like an angel. She looked like an angel, except for she had red hair. And, um, you know, she took me underneath her wing and she gave me what I needed at the time. And that was help in Al-Anon because I was in a very codependent relationship with a recovered alcoholic addict. And, um, you know, I'll just say that, um, lovingly, she guided me through the steps the best way she could. And I want to say that I recovered, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, and I'll tell you why, because in that beautiful journal that I have with all the slogans and beautiful things, guess what it said? It said, here's your list of red light foods. There's no red light foods listed. There's nothing less. I left the page blank, right? And so what I realized was, is that guess what? I was never honest. I never did the work. I never got entirely abstinent. In fact, I didn't know what entire abstinence was. But I continued to keep eating these small amount minutes of ingredients and just little bits and bits and bits of them. And eventually, you know what happened? The phenomenon of craving built up and I went back out with a vengeance. 
And so what did I do? I ate and I ate and I ate from convenience store to convenience store to convenience store. Three convenience stores, one way to get my hair done, sat in the chair, got my hair done, three convenience stores on the way home. And finally, what hit me was, I don't know what. Perhaps it's the grace and love of God. I want to believe that today. Um, and what it was, was that there was um, a back alleyway. I parked my car there. I had all the wrappers, boxes, whatever in, in, the, in the seat of the passenger side. The door was open and the vomit was outside the door. And um, I was desperate and I picked up the phone and I called that man who sat across from me and held that blue book who read those nine step promises. And I said, I don't know, but I'm done. I can't keep doing this anymore, right? Like I was on my fourth round of HCG in two years. I was dining with group support in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. I was the biggest fake and fraud. And I was ready to be honest with somebody. And the light shone down on that in that window. And that's when I said, help me God. And, and you know what he said to me? He's a guy. He said, get to a meeting. <laughs> so I went to a meeting the next morning of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, there were six alcoholics in the room. They let me in. I said I was an addict. They took me through the big book. They read the 12 by 12 with me. I read how it works just like we did every day for 120 days until it finally sunk in. Um, and I was able to get entirely abstinent. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't easy. Putting down the food is not easy. Um, putting down the behaviors, uh, that's another story for another day. But, um, by the grace of God, um, he did for me what I couldn't do. I had three discs replaced in my neck. I had a car accident. And so, um, you know, I, I didn't have the ability to exercise. But let me tell you, that first sponsor I had, she said, write down that amount of weight that you want to be in that journal. And I wrote it down. That's the, that's the same body weight I'm in today, except for I'm healthy today, right? I might not have the hourglass figure and, and I might not be able to fit in that bikini without, you know, a little pudge here and there. And, you know, it's, it's, that's not what it, it's not about today. Today it's about, I'm, and I'm a, I'm a good human being. I'm a, I'm a great mommy. I'm no longer a mommy monster. My son says, you're more like mama Gandhi. And I think that's a beautiful thing to hear from an 18 year old kid that you belittled and berated his whole life. My family sees a difference in me. I was able to walk my grandmother um, through her last final breaths and words in life. And my aunt said to me, I don't know what's in you, but it's something different. It's, you know, it's the light, right? The darkness is gone from inside this girl. I want to shine a light for like everybody to see, right? Funny, it's this candle meeting, right? No, otter God, right? I just know that today I walk in the sunlight of the spirit. And it's because I followed the directions in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I took the steps. I took action. I started by putting down the food. I no longer vomit, restrict, um, exercise, take laxatives. I don't do any of that stuff. And I do so happily. And guess what? I don't even want to do it. I don't have the body dysmorphia I used to have. I don't care what I look like in clothing, right? I did put on a little lip gloss for the LA meeting. I will tell you that. Uh, you people are way too bougie for me. So that's, that's good. But, um, I will just say that, um, you know, today, uh, I thank God for my recovery. I would not be here. And I talk a lot about God. I'm not, um, afraid to talk about God. Why? Because that one, you know, he's the one it said, we just read it. May you find him now. We read it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I had no other choice to seek him. 
But I will tell you, my relationship is a lot different today than it was when I was in the building with the believers and that book and those benches that I sat and kneeled on. And um, it's, it's just a cool relationship to have with a power greater than myself. And I know I didn't do it. And I'd like to tell you when it happened, you know, that fabulous journal that I have, um, that fabulous journal only tells the bits and pieces of the story. Um, because I don't have anywhere in there where it says, um, I remember having neutrality around exercise or food or whatever it is, right? I don't remember that at all. But I do know that my attitude has changed. The inward, the inward part of me has changed. The outward of me is hopefully good, right? I think. I don't know. But I'm not trying to impress anybody with my looks today. I, I just, I just want to be. I want to I be that good human being, right? Um, that's going to go out there. And, and so, um, you know, I think um, it's, it's a process of going um, from fear to faith. And it's like that every day. I want to say to you, like, life is really easy. It's not. Did I fear the pandemic? Not really. But I have a lot of other fear that I've been dealing with. A lot of other 10 steps, a lot of other inventory I've had to work through with my sponsor during this time. And it's not around those things. The majority of those things, God's removed. And if he hasn't removed them, he's still working on me. I'm a work in progress. You know? That's time. Thank you. So I'll just wrap up by saying this. Um, if you're here and like me, you came for the vanity, stay for the sanity. That's my favorite slogan. Um, but more than that, um, I just think, you know, um, don't ever stop coming back. Um, I'm glad I never stopped coming back, even though I wanted to stop. I didn't want to come back after I ate all that food and binged and purged. And I had to be honest, started having to be honest with people. Today, I love living in honesty. Um, it's a really great place to be. And um, if you haven't found the solution, it's in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's in these steps. Find somebody on this chat that can guide you. Put your name in if you're a sponsor and pick someone. For God's sake, like even Minnie Mouse can sponsor you if you're truly ready to put it all down. So um, thanks for giving me the opportunity. And with that, I'll pass. <laughs>